HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, a food writer and a director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, yuzakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I will try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Roger de Gorn, who is one of the only 227 master sommeliers in the world, and one of only 48 sake samurais in the world. Uh, we'll talk about this title uh, later. And also the beverage di- director of sushi restaurant 15 East, uh, two American restaurants, Tocqueville and the Fourth, and a Brazilian restaurant, Botiquim, near Union Square. So, hello and welcome to the show, Roger. Thank you. So, um, we'll talk about uh, sake and sake samurai in a moment, but first, um, how did you get into wine? Oh, I got into wine quite some time ago. Uh, my uh, family was... Uh, 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 well, French born and raised and uh, moved to New York in, uh, in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, we, uh, uh, my parents always worked in French restaurants. My great uncle owned a restaurant uh, at that time. And uh, so French, French food, French cuisine was very much the rage back then. And uh, when I grew up, uh, I, I learned to, uh, to live for food rather than live, uh, eat to live. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically you grew up in your family restaurant? Yes, very much. In fact, as a child, uh, I slept in many a Kochak uh, 
Wow. <laughs> so I learned culture very early on, early on, and I did work uh, with my father, who was the chef, and but also did work on the floor, did work as a sommelier uh, mm. for a short period of time also. Right. So I worked all worked all aspects of all aspects of the restaurant business. Mm, wow. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, but you know, is it natural to be a sommelier just because your family business was uh, in a restaurant? Well, it's the hotel management uh, industry management industry uh, as a whole so it's it's the food culture it's the restaurant world uh, it's the type of work that either you love it or you don't uh, if you don't it's hard work uh, if you love it it's a nice way to, to make a living and to enjoy your day mm, so obviously you enjoyed it very much right Okay, and then uh, then you took professional wine courses and uh, became a sommelier at the acclaimed uh, Maurice restaurant in a Paca Meridian Hotel in Manhattan. Yes, that uh, was, uh, oh my goodness, that goes back to the 80s. Uh, I worked in the family restaurant, Le Pont Neuf, uh, throughout uh, my college years in the late 60s and uh, afterwards. And then uh, from there, went, went to a number of other restaurants, uh, mm. not just uh, Maurice, but uh, to the Bistro, to, oh my goodness, uh, uh, Le Plaisir, and then to, uh, uh, yes, to the Maurice restaurant. I was there for eight years mm-hmm. uh, as sommelier. Right. During that time, I had learned my craft and uh, trade and, uh, and was able to put it into practice and uh, very much... Uh, worked quite a bit at learning skills to taste wine, to learn the theory of wine, uh, as well as to improve my service uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did participate in a number of competitions, uh, of which I did quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a student, I was first in my class, as my father was and my cousin, my father's partner at the time mm-hmm. was. They were the first in their class at different times, so I was not going to be outdone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and then in 1993, uh, you joined, um, you know, now sadly close, but the legendary French restaurant, Chantevel, in Tribeca. Yes, I, I, I did. I was working, um, where was I working at the time? I was working in a Chinese restaurant, a very high-end Chinese restaurant called Seiyang. Mm-hmm. And I had been approached at the time by Karen Waltuck, uh, asking me if I wanted to right, interview. Right, the co-owner of right, the restaurant. Right, yes. And at the time, I wasn't interested because I had just started uh, working in a Chinese restaurant, and uh, so I recommended somebody, and uh, she hired that person. Two years later, she approached me again, saying that uh, that uh, gentleman was uh, decided to move on, and that he was looking for some. Uh, she was looking for somebody else, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and told me to ask me if I knew of anybody, and uh, she gave me the parameters, and she said she would go uh, do uh, offer that salary, but she would go up to such and such if need be. Mm. And uh, I said, well, listen, I'm, it's time for me to move on from where I was, so uh, I put my hat in the ring, and... Uh, uh, she said, whoops, I didn't, I gave my uh, <laughs> top salary <laughs> from that, that point, which... Uh, uh, was, which is fine, and uh, I, I went to work there. Uh, I wanted to learn everything I could, because mm-hmm. uh, I had aspirations at the time to perhaps open up my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, it turned out it was such a great 
family feeling there with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Karen and David mm-hmm. that um, I wound up staying eight years. Right. So I'm sorry. Not eight years, 16 years. Right, until it was closed, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, um, you know, and it sounds like uh, it's a French restaurant, but the first restaurant, the menu was written in English, not in, in French. That is correct. And uh, so that open-mindedness, I think, led you to do an interesting sake program at Chantrelle, the French restaurant. Well, it was very interesting because uh, it was uh, a very special restaurant, very special menus, the menu changed every month, and there were two menus that were being offered, a three-course tasting menu and a six-course tasting menu. And with its six-course tasting menu, uh, we also offered, uh, uh, if people were interested, to do a tasting of wines. Mm-hmm. And uh, at about that time, um, I had been introduced to some very high-end mm-hmm. uh, uh, jizakis, Mm-hmm. It's uh, a local yeah, uh, artisanal right, sake. And of high quality. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was a- tasting these sakis and analyzing them, and I realized these sakis actually tasted more like uh, wine, mm-hmm. grape varieties for wine, mm-hmm. than actual sake. Right. <laughs> and, or sake as I knew it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time that the sakis that I had been tasting and uh, prior to that time, they were they were okay, but nothing special. Mm. But these sakis were special, right. and they were pretty much uh, all junmai ginjos, mm. uh, junmai ginjos, uh, uh, junmais, junmai ginjos, and junmai daiginjos, uh, mm. which included also some. Uh, uh, koshus and kijushus. Right. Yeah. And well, I'll ask you about that, those such. types later. But yeah. you know, the, basically, uh, that wheel sake that we started to see more in this country, uh, it's called the seishu, and that is made in a very traditional way with lots of restrictions, and uh, it's um, only less than three percent of total sake production in Japan. So that's a very premium type of sake, right? But you know how? But that was the when your first time. You taste it sake and it's great. Do you taste similar taste with wine or how? Well, I analyze wine, uh, sake uh, similar to the way I analyze uh, wine. I uh, well, I look at it. Although it's, most of them are pretty much clear, uh, I check the viscosity. Uh, but uh, I also analyze it by my sense of smell, which is the most important uh, mm-hmm. uh, factor. And then I taste it to verify that uh, what I smelled uh, was was in line, right. and uh, make my deductions from there. Uh, so I, every time I taste sake, I, it's just like whenever I taste wine, I analyze uh, mm. the the beverage, and uh, I, I think about what I compare it with food. Mm. Uh, and I, I realize wine is a food. Sake can also be a food. Mm. Uh, it is meant to be consumed with food. And I don't know if that's really part of Japanese culture, uh, but uh, it certainly is called uh, European culture to have wine with food. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, can see uh, that with the quality sakis, they can certainly be paired well with uh, Western cuisine. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was able to do with mm-hmm. 
the cuisine I took at the Chanterelle, okay. and now I do it at Fifteen East and at Tocqueville. Right. Actually, looking at uh, all the uh, dishes from uh, the sake pairing dinner at uh, Chanterelle, and I found uh, warm lobster salad with fresh, uh, fresh white truffles and oysters with uh, sauerkraut and black caviar and foie gras sauté with baby beet greens. And these are very French. And... Uh, how did you convince your customers to try, you know, with sake? Well, uh, it was uh, wasn't uh, too difficult. Basically, I uh, would ask customers if they have if they are in an adventurous mood, and of course, everybody's adventurous. <laughs> and <laughs> right. and uh, so, uh, with six courses, I would initially introduce a sake in one of with one of the dishes and uh, every month the menu changed so I had a different uh, toy to play with mm-hmm. and uh, so I was able to pair uh, a, a, an interesting uh, sparkling uh, uh, nigori cloudy mm-hmm. sake uh, w- with the aperitif it could be almost like the champagne of sake mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes uh, uh, kijoshu uh, with the dessert or with the foie gras and uh, uh, so and for meat dishes, uh, an aged koshu sake is mm-hmm. something that would have uh, elements of earthiness, uh, sometimes a little truffly, uh, mm-hmm. umami, uh, and, and depth of flavor, uh, almost scotch-like uh, wow. aromas sometimes. Right. And this worked well with, uh, with red meat dishes uh, and other uh, uh, Meat dishes or poultry, mm-hmm. uh, duck for instance, goes great with an aged, uh, aged sake. Mm-hmm. And uh, people responded to that. They enjoyed it. They didn't realize that there was such diversity with sake. And uh, it worked well with the diversity of all the different uh, cuisines that are mm-hmm. out there. Right. Okay. So, uh, by the way, so for re- listeners who are not familiar with sake, so... What is it? Like, you can just maybe run, run through basics, like ingredients, how it's made... The very basic. Well, uh, basically, uh, uh, I know the BATF says that sake is rice wine, but it's not really wine. It's closer to beer uh, because it's made from a grain, rice, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the other ingredients are koji rice, water, and yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, it's made similar to beer, more similar to beer than, than wine because the starch... Uh, the grain, which is a starch, has to be converted to sugar mm. uh, before it can be fermented, and in the, which is the case for beer. But for sake, it's a different format. In other words, they go through what they call a multiple parallel fermentation. In other words, the uh, starch in the rice is converted to sugar in the koji rice. Mm. And at the same time, the yeast concentrate goes into the steamed uh, rice, which is mixed with the koji rice. Mm. So th- it's... Um, goes through this process, parallel multiple fermentation, where the starch converts to sugar and the starch co- and the sugar converts to alcohol mm-hmm. side by side. Right. So it's a more complex mm-hmm. formula, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, and it allows for the sake to be a little higher in alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, so it could be against you, right. up to 18 20%, or can be slowly brought down to 15%, 15-16% with the addition of distilled water. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the most common way of, of enjoying sake mm-hmm. and uh, also pairs well with food because the alcohol isn't 
isn't so dominant right. at that point. Okay, right. And also, um, I heard it's uh, the ninety percent of sake is water, and uh, you know, sake is very uh, the water is very important. For instance, um, the if you compare uh, hardness of water in two major sake regions in Japan, in Kyoto it's seven, and in Niigata in the northwest it's uh, three. So it's like a terroir-based, very delicate. Kind well, of beverage. yeah, water is very important since, uh, first of all, it has to be pretty much pure water, like spring water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be free of iron or phosphates, and uh, which which can really give an off odor to sakis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could be soft water, it could be hard water. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. It's uh, it's a stylistic uh, mm-hmm. difference. Right. Uh, and water is very important to Japanese. Uh, uh, world and as as long as well as rice, mm. so those are two very important ingredients right. uh, to the culture. And sake in Japan, I understand, actually translates as uh, any alcoholic beverage. Mm. But being from Japan, obviously, rice and water are the major ingredients. Right, and the sake rice um, it may not be as diverse as uh, grapes, but uh, a couple of different things like Yamada Nishiki, that's the the most expensive and delicate. And uh, omachi, that's a richer flavor. And the miyamanishiki is a strong rice flavor and a viscosity. And that's something like, like this certain variation of the rice, too. Yeah. There are uh, quite a few interesting uh, uh, sake rice. Uh, although it's interesting to note that sake can be made from ordinary, ordinary table rice, where it's a small grain where the uh, starches spread throughout the whole grain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you steam rice to eat it, this, the rice is milled down to 92% original size. Mm-hmm. Sake rice is a long grain rice with a starch concentrated in the center. So that's why it's milled down to get close to that center mm-hmm. where the starch is and where the flavor is. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the, uh, the semi-buoy uh, system uh, and the grading mm-hmm. uh, of the rice like the is polish, very important. The, polish, right. the polishing right. of the rice, the more mm-hmm. it's polished, the better the uh, the sake is, mm-hmm. and the more expensive it is too, because it's a expensive process. Mm-hmm. To, to but I also heard that away. you know the outside of that you know, outside of the whole, the grain has a little flavor and umami. So it's kind of more, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that if it's uh, less polished, the better taste. Yes, uh, well, especially when you find some sakes that are junmai kimoto, which that means. Uh, translates as uh, special attributes, Mm -hmm. which usually means that either the rice is polished down to more than is uh, stated on the label. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other words, it could be, if it says Junmai, it could actually be a Junmai Ginjo or a Junmai Daiginjo. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, also it could be because they're using uh, sake rice Mm -hmm. as opposed to normal table rice. And that also... I guess forms could be uh, tokubetsu as well. Mm-hmm. Then, then there are other fa- uh, factors which include uh, 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 yamahai and uh, kimotos for the yeast culture, mm-hmm. uh, processes that uh, convert the malic acid to lactic acid, which gives it a more yogurty, mm-hmm. creamier okay. uh, or huh. aroma to That's the That's interesting. So what's the difference between wine and sake in terms of taste? You know, like you said, lactic. Some wine is like, you know, some lactic flavor. And well, right, but, you know, there's no tannin and there's no fruit flavor in sake, although you taste a lot of uh, fruitness from rice somehow, and there's no barrel fermentation. 
So well, I have actually tasted some sakis with barrel fermentation. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> like one brewery yeah. does it, right? So. But I have, uh, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, the difference is that uh, when we analyze uh, wine, we're looking at balance of acid and sugar mm-hmm. and tannins, and uh, that's why uh, if the uh, the uh, wine is um, if we're drinking a red wine, uh, that's easy to have sugar, acid, and tannins. But white wine is different because you don't have tannins. Mm. To, compens- to compensate for the lack of tannin, uh, white wine is usually chilled. That'll allow for the difference and give balance with mm. the sugar and the acid. And that's why popular uh, sake today, the popular uh, good sakis are usually served a little chilled mm-hmm. as opposed to warm like they used to uh, in the past. And I understand in Japan, sake served warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But I think the quality sakis, the junmai shoes, the, uh, 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 which account for maybe about 12% of all the uh, sake mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. uh, they have less rice aromas and more aromas of fruit and floral notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what makes it appealing to most people now because of those characteristics. And it's the milling that does that. Right. And I think that uh, that's why sake is becoming so popular these days mm-hmm. and even more popular to have them uh, in, uh, enjoyed Cool, not cold, but cool. Mm. So, like a white wine temperature, fifty yes. to fifty-four Fahrenheit. Yeah, that seems right. Mm. Although, an aged sake, uh, like a koshu or a daikoshu, uh, they're nice to be served room temperature or maybe slightly cool, mm. just like red wine. Right. Sounds like this is like a huge world to discover. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> right. And it's uh, you, you learn something new every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the alcohol level is uh, 15 to 17 percent, which is slightly higher than wine, but it's not killing you. No, but also it, uh, it almost forces you to enjoy wine at a more leisurely pace. In other words, it's easier to sip, taste, analyze. Mm. And you, that's what you do with wine mm. as well, because it's not so high in alcohol, but it can get up to 14, 15% sometimes. Right. And uh, so that's, I think that's more, uh, makes it more approachable mm-hmm. to consume, also to pair with food. Right. Great. So um, now let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, uh, we will talk about how Roger became a sake samurai. So please stay with us. Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Uh, 
Welcome back. You are listening to Japan Eats,、uh, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Roger Lagoon, who is a master sommelier and sake samurai, as well as the beverage director of four restaurants, 15 East, Tocqueville, The Fourth, and Botkin, near Union Square. So,、um, you have the title of sake samurai,、yes. uh, inducted in 2008, which is owned by only 48 people in the world. So, what is it? Well, it was, it's an interesting title.、Uh, it's not at all the same、uh, title as the Quartermaster Sommeliers、uh, that they give.、Uh, it is a title that was、uh, conferred upon me for my work uh, as uh, uh, introducing sakis uh, uh, to Western cuisine at、uh, Chanterelle, but also uh, my uh, uh, education of.、Uh, Of sake to students at the Culinary Center, the、uh, New York City College of Technology, which is part of the City University of New York.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I do lecture through, through many, through,、uh, throughout,、uh, many sources to、mm-hmm. educate people about sake. So,、right. this, is, uh, this is what brought me to the world of being a sake samurai.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,、um, so there is a trade organization called.、Uh, Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association, and its junior、uh, chapter created the Sake Samurai program in 2005. And because、uh, sake production declined dramatically in the past、uh, decades, and today there are about、uh, 1,100 sake brewers, versus、uh, in 1923 there are 10,000. So the younger generation of sake producers worried about losing the precious art of sake, which represents Japanese tradition, history, and culture. So, they created the program and granted the title of Sake Samurai to people who love sake and it promotes value to the global audience. Like, exactly, <laughs> that's what you do. Right. So,、um, so, now let's talk about、uh, the sake. And, oh, but by the way, so, it, you know, there's, I heard there's a ceremony when you get inducted. It's、yes. like, very formal. It is.、Uh, it, uh, it takes place in a very formal、uh, Shinto shrine just outside of Kyoto.、Mm. And it,、uh, it's very, very special.、Uh, uh, and it's very difficult to describe. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear traditional clothing or something、uh, like that? Well, not necessarily. I do have to take off my shoes and、uh, wear、uh, wooden clogs、uh, to,、right. uh, to go to. Into the shrine,、mm-hmm. and、uh, there's, a, there's a ceremony and a transfer of the, the reed to the altar.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and uh, again, uh, very traditional, very formal.、Mm-hmm. I had to a- answer responses in Japanese,、uh, questions of which I didn't understand because I don't speak <laughs> Japanese. <laughs>、uh, but uh, uh, after that, I had to declare an oath to, of course, to.、Uh, Uh, promote and love the world of, of sake, of which I do with pleasure, and uh, uh, try to promote it、uh, to the best of my ability, which、uh, at least I have that、uh, ability to do so in the、uh, venues that I work in right now.、Mm. And uh, so uh, I also、uh, enjoy teaching it to students because it's amazing how interested students, young people, are about sake. They,、mm. They are so enthralled with it.、Uh, they, it's a new world to them, and they don't fully understand it, so they want to know more、mm-hmm. about, about what's the ingredients, wh- how it's made, what food does it work with.、Uh, 
and and uh, what's the setting, what's the glassware uh, that uh, is used. Uh, there, there are just so many questions and uh, never enough time to uh, to answer them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exciting! Wow, I'm a, I'm so glad to hear it. So it's very it's different, and people are interested in wine. And the next step is something a little different. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how in Japan, uh, sadly, how sake had uh, dec- decreased in popularity, and wine has increased dramatically. Uh, I, w- I was surprised to know, learn that Japan has the second largest population of sommeliers in the world. After right. they like studying, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after Italy and more than in France mm-hmm. and uh, in the United States, the sommelier is something that uh, you only you only hear about on cross- crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're we're starting to catch up. <laughs> right. So, and do you know uh, who are the other uh, inductees or? Well, I, I know that we're now, uh, let's see, five in New York, mm. uh, of which uh, there is uh, Tim... Sullivan. Tim, Tim Sullivan, right? And uh, um, I forget her name from uh, Hakkasan. Uh, oh, Jessica? Yes, Jessica. Jessica, uh, right? She is there. <laughs> yes, I can't remember. Right. And uh, there's also... Uh, uh, oh, my goodness... Um, I think John Gontner. Yes. He, yeah, he came he, back yeah. to he's he's John Gontner is like yeah. the god of sake. Yes. And American <laughs> people and the Japanese people learn from him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but there's a new one, uh, uh, Chris Johnson. Okay. Yeah, he's also a sake right. samurai now. Right. Yeah. Great. So and then there, uh, there are a few others that I can think of that should be, and uh, mm. hopefully they will be inducted soon. Right. <laughs> so, um, and also I think I looked at the you know, the people, the Japanese people, like not only um, non, non-Japanese people, there are a lot of Japanese chefs and whoever, you know, contributed to preserving sake tradition. So I think annually they induct like five, six people. So um, Yeah, it varies from year to year. Right. Yes. So hopefully there's going to be more. It's like somewhere in New York or in the <laughs> States. The uh, more the merrier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so... Now, let's talk about uh, um, sake and food pairing. So, first, you know, you mentioned a couple of different types of sake. So, you know, the categories, you maybe can talk about junmai, jozo, ginjo, daiginjo, like, you know, basic sake types. Well, uh, certainly uh, with, uh, with dishes that are very fresh ingredients, market fresh ingredients, mm-hmm. and uh, salads and such, uh, are ideal to go with namasaki, so or siburatatis, uh, seasonal mm, sake. Nama means uh, it's not pasteurized. Right, so unpasteurized, fresh. so you have that freshness. Mm. Uh, the, the only drawback with that is that uh, the shelf life is short. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, when you have them, they're wonderful. Mm. And uh, you, feel, you, you taste the freshness. Right. And sake is very seasonal, only made in the wintertime. So it's like a spring, nama is a spring drink. Yes, yes. So... Uh, Everybody anticipates uh, their new arrival, mm. but uh, they they're usually in short supply because they have to be consumed young, right, <laughs> and fresh, right. Okay, and uh, you know, um, I think basic terms like jumai, ginjo, daiginjo, like before you go to a Japanese restaurant or you know uh, sake shops, uh, you know these are the terms that you have to. So it depends on the milling rate of the rice. The milling of the rice, right. yes. The more it's milled, the closer you get to the kernel. Mm-hmm. The closer you get to the kernel, you get the more 
flavor you get. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's left over is the the proteins, the lipids, Mm -hmm. the oils. And these are usually uh, used to make rice crackers Mm -hmm. uh, or to feed the cattle, right? It's not wasted. It's nothing's wasted, but uh, uh, it's uh, and also if you have some that's in served with uh, with the starch, it does add some character Mm. to the uh, to the sake. Mm -hmm. You can get some umami flavors from it, and uh, and and that's why I personally enjoy uh, Jumai Kimoto's Mm. uh, because of that. you, You get other characteristics, mm. not just the umami, but the the, the malic, uh, I'm sorry, the lactic flavor from the the uh, paddling of the rice, uh, the uh, yeast, which gives that uh, that yogurty aroma. Mm. Uh, I do enjoy that style of sake. Mm. Uh, I think it goes very well with food, uh, and there's so many different dishes it can work with. Mm. Uh, so that you know, the lactic flavor, you know, the nigori uh, unfiltered. I heard it's very popular among you know American people. That's like a pochvo, yes. a yogurt. Kind of I don't thing. think it's that well, not that popular or well known in Japan. No, uh, no. But, uh, yeah, my father would be really upset. <laughs> 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 Sparkling or nigori, like no, I don't drink it. <laughs> it's not traditional enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. So and also the. You know, you mentioned that kosher, that's aged sake, uh, aged over three years. And uh, I tried it with the uh, Stilton, the blue cheese. Yes. That was amazing. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's unexpected pairing. And they words. do come with different taste profiles, too. Sometimes with age, they can take on strong aromas of smokiness mm-hmm. uh, and uh, gaminess which works well with game birds. Mm. Uh, and, and some people even uh, compare them to single malt scotch in a way sometimes. Huh. Wow. Uh, without the higher alcohol. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. And is it hard to find the koshu here? They are available. Uh, you have to look for them. But there are some good sake stores around. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, so... It's easy to pair sake with Japanese food, but, um, you know, the sake goes very well with the Western food, like, you know, the cheese or some other things. So, uh, so here I have some dishes from the menu of Tokville. And maybe you can tell us uh, what type of sake you to pair with uh, each dish and why. So the first, uh, house-cured terrine of Hudson Valley foie gras with black pepper crust, uh, uh, bourbon, strawberry. Well, when I see a dish like that, and I'm thinking about that Western cuisine, and I'm thinking, well, gee, what wine would I serve with that? Mm. And mm. the first thing I, I think about is con- uh, uh, contrast matters here. Uh, opposites attract. Mm. So uh, the saltiness uh, uh, and the uh, fatness or the richness mm. uh, should be countered by something sweet and something with good acidity. Mm. And that's why oftentimes... Fogal works so well with uh, with Sotel. Mm. Well, you can do pretty much the same thing with uh, with uh, sake. Mm. Uh, you can have a, a sweet uh, sake from one from uh, island off the coast of Hiroshima called uh, Hanahato mm-hmm. uh, Kijoshu, uh, which has a, actually 
to my mind, a strong, almost a Madeira-like quality to it. Wow. And it has a sweetness without being cloyingly sweet uh, and an earthiness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that works well with Wagga. Mm. So that sweetness comes from uh, rice or yeast or...? It comes from the use of s- uh, sake other than water, instead of water in the uh, making ah, of okay. the sake. Right. right. Oh, and, uh, that's a... and I guess they rest their fermentation before it's complete, so mm. uh, there's residual sugar left over. Oh, I assume that's how it's made. Mm. Interesting. All right, so the next dish, uh, it's a potato gnocchi with the morel mushrooms and green market spring vegetables. Uh, when I think of that dish, I think of something full-bodied and rich and dry or off-dry, either way. Uh, but something that has certain uh, fruitiness to it, something that uh, will have acidity and buttery nature mm-hmm. to it. And uh, immediately I think of maybe a, a, a Junmai a Daiginjo, uh, perhaps a Shizuku. Uh, one that I happen to like is a Tsukasa Botan. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So Junmai Daiginjo is uh, pure rice yeah. and then milled. Um, down at least fifty percent is mm-hmm, gone. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's the, very high end. But then it's not overly filtered, or mm. it's filtered through a fine cloth mesh, so it doesn't strip away the body, mm. and so it uh, allows for a certain richness okay. uh, to the sake, and being dry but off, more off dry, mm. um, so it will stand up to the richness of gnocchi, right. especially Sounds with those ingredients. Wow. Or all mushrooms, umami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, umami, right. The sake has lots of umami, too. But even so, I, I, that is not, that's not the only pairing that would work. Mm-hmm. You can also have it maybe with a drier style. Mm-hmm. There's another Junmai uh, Daiginju that I think works well. Um, uh, there's the Shosanten from Ichinokuro, from Miyagi Prefecture, mm-hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's leaner, mm-hmm. uh, crisper, mm-hmm. uh, yet has a lot of character. And I think that, too, just as well would work mm. with the uh, gnocchi. Right. So it, even it's the same uh, Jumai Daiginjo, so the character comes from different breweries, you know, yeah. the philosophy and the water, the types Correct. of yeast, everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so how about this, like, lightly smoked duck breast with uh-huh. baby bok choy, Asian pear, and citrus Chinese consomme? So it's a smoked, maybe like, you know, there's something in common with barbecue or something. Yes, yeah. But it's lightly smoked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that it's still red meat and it's usually served medium rare, that's where uh, a koshu comes in. Mm. And that's why I oftentimes recommend uh, an aged sake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, if we want something very special, uh, I know at, uh, at Tokfil we offer the um, Naruto Totai Dai Koshu uh, 1988 vintage. Wow. Which is <laughs> that's a, old. a deep deep uh, uh, garnet color and uh, the aroma is, is rich and smoky and uh, uh, intense wow. uh, and it worked very well with I with, didn't know you can age like it that long oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow and I've, I've tasted that every year for for the last 12-13 years and I have to tell you it, uh, it just gets better <laughs> wow so koshu for gamey <laughs> Meat like duck, mm-hmm. right? And finally, the seared prime-aged sirloin of beef and the braised beef cheeks with the whipped rocket potato, uh, roasted king mushrooms, and beef juice. Well, it also would work with the um, uh, daikoshu, but then you 
don't necessarily have to stay with that. You may want to have uh, something with a little bit of body, um, perhaps the Otokoyama uh, Jumai uh, Kimoto mm-hmm. Betsu, mm-hmm. which has the umami, which has the uh, has somebody to it, but but has flavor to it, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it gives you pa- uh, pause to think mm-hmm. about it. And then when you have the uh, the red meat, um, it, it's not as gamey. Mm. The uh, the sirloin, but can appreciate something that's uh, big and bold mm. uh, with uh, umami flavors, right. and uh, even though a certain softness to it, mm. but delicious. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> steak or in the beef is sometimes very hard. You know, you have to find the right balance of the level of tannin, and sometimes tannin gets too strong, and then beef gets. A little disappointed. So it sounds like a kosher is a good idea. Yeah. Right. Uh, by the way, the, I understand that Tokyo carries only one sake, so you may not be oh, able to no, do... I, I, we have several. Oh, really? Oh, sakes, oh, that's great. We, uh, we have one that we showcase because it's so unique. It's the Naruto Tai. Mm. Uh, Koshi. Okay. Uh, but we do have... Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, we offer about 18 to 20 sakes. Okay. That they, wow. they are available, yes. Oh, that's great. Right. And uh, so how do you recommend uh, sake to someone who's skeptical about sake at the restaurant? Uh, again, I, I approach them uh, to people, and if I see that there's a dish that could work with sake, mm. I will ask them if they're in an adventurous mood, and I will explain that I do have these special sakes that are... Uh, that are made by great sake producers, mm-hmm. and they are made in a process that are um, that allows them to have more flavor mm-hmm. uh, and more approachable. And they're not just stayed ricey flavors, but have more hazelnut aromas, mm-hmm. fruity aromas, sometimes floral aromas, yeah. sometimes with. Uh, with herbal notes, mm-hmm. um, and because they have these characteristics, they will work mm. with certain dishes. Um, and, I, and I noticed that there are certain cured fish uh, that uh, I'm, I'm working on right now on a project uh, to uh, harmonize uh, sake with uh, Western cuisine. Mm. Uh, one dish is a, a wild, uh, um, a cured wild striped bass, mm. and it does work with certain sakis that have more linear, mm-hmm. precise uh, style of, uh, of taste. Right. And they could be dry mm-hmm. or they could be off dry, mm-hmm. but because they have a little that some herbal notes, mm-hmm. uh, some uh, uh, crispness to it, mm-hmm. that can work well with Okay, right. Well, it sounds like, you know, like when you cheap, uh, uh, drink a cheap sake, there's like almost pungent you know, like strong rice flavor, which also causes a headache to me. I, that's my perception. But sounds like there's a lot of diverse flavor profile. Yes. So you have to try more then. That's true. Right? <laughs> and there okay. are a lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And finally, uh, any suggestions for sake retail shops and sake bars for listeners? Uh, yeah. 
Sake shops, there's the Sakaya, mm -hmm. uh, which is on the Lower East Side. Yeah, I think it's East Village. Yes, right. right. Okay. Uh, that's the most famous one. Mm -hmm. And they deal in just sake. Right. Well, and Rick Smith, the owner, right. came here yeah, a couple he weeks ago. Uh, right. uh, I believe he's a sake samurai, too. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Right. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Or his wife is. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Local. either one or the other. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Landmark has a good selection of sakis as well. Interesting. Landmark yeah. is a New American restaurant. No, 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 no. This is a, a, a bar. Uh, not a bar, a, um, a wine shop. Oh, okay. And they have a section on sakis. And that's, I think it's on 23rd Street. I'm not okay. sure it's between 5th and 6th. I'm not quite sure. Landmark, you there. have to check that out. Yeah, but there are, you see more and more sake right. and good wine shops. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right. And that's for... Oh, sake bars. There's one on the Lower East Side that I used to go to, and I can't remember the name of it. You might know it. Right, Decibel? That's, that's the right. one. <laughs> I remember oh, quite some time ago, I brought a group of uh, Master Sommeliers that mm -hmm. were in town, right. and that's where we went, and we went through quite a few bottles. Okay. so yes. <laughs> Well, maybe we should, we should see that. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, so thank you for joining us today, Roger. Um, so, listeners, if you'd like to know more about Roger's sake list, uh, please visit uh, 15eastrestaurant.com uh, and Tokville, tokvillerestaurant.com. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, please contact us at uh, heritageradionetwork.org. You can also reach me at akikokatayama.com. Japan Eats is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org. I'll see you next week. searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>